0: We're going, to take, we're going to take your religion. But okay, wait for because, it, right? We're yeah. going to
1: take your religion <laughs> and where you're from and put it into a box. Whoa. We're going to put your religion and your background into a box and when we're ready to bring that box out, then we will address that.
0: We would like to acknowledge that we're on stolen, Yugara, and terrible lands. And as settlers of color, we reflect upon the damaging legacy of colonization. Always was, always will be. Hey, it's Dylan, and this is Creator Tales from Kaju Creative. Today we sit down with Siki Daha, an artist largely known for his music, but who wears many hats with ease. We find out what it's like to not find yourself represented in an industry which wants to put you in little boxes and make you palatable for mass consumption. We also tap into the challenges of doing it your own way. We have a special guest in this episode, which is a neighborly angle grinder that popped up just after we hit record. Enjoy. My name is
1: Siki Daha and I create music. I'm an artist and a singer-songwriter and uh, a co-author and also run a music school slash
0: music agency. <laughs> and no, that's it. We'll stick to that. <laughs> right, right. Just just a few a few little hats there. And we initially connected with a Very lovely, enthusiastic, warm DM from you. I I tried to look it up just now. Do you recall what it was? I I loved it so much.
1: I can't remember. I think I saw, I said, uh, yeah, I do. I do. I remember I messaged you and I said, um, let's do something together. I love your
0: work or something like that. yeah, Yeah. It had had some like cheeky tone. I remember the feeling of it was something like, "Uh, excuse me, we need to work together immediately. That's right.
1: (laughs) That's right. That's
0: exactly it. Yeah. (laughs) Like what have you been doing? <laughs> That's um, it
1: because you know there's not that many brown guys, right. or black guys out there, or just black and brown people in mm. the industry, particularly in Australia, who are doing stuff like the stuff that you're doing and mm-hmm. the things that I'm wanting to do. Right. So I think for me, when I saw that, and I loved your work, and yeah. I loved the you know the aesthetic of your socials and all that kind of stuff. Right. It's like we got to do something. Yeah. Let's do something. That's why I messaged, you know. Nice, nice. Um,
0: with my enthusiasm. And and what what did you see? Because you might have been referencing some older profiles on Sri Lankan artists was that the one that you There was a there was like a
1: documentary sort of film that you had I don't recall which one it was but there was like three or four that you had on your so on your Instagram mm. And that made me kind of go, oh, cool, this is great. And the quality of it was good. And the storytelling was great. So I was right. like, I need to get in touch.
0: Was that uh, was was that the video version of Creator Tales, which was talking with, um, with South Asian artists, perhaps, literary? Potentially. Could have been that one.
1: There was three together, from right. what I remember. And there was one that I clicked. And the
0: right. way that it was edited, the way it was
1: filmed, all of it, it was really well done. Right. right. Yeah. Nice. So nice. well done. Yeah, I
0: remember <laughs> that being quite a perceptive sort of like quick take, because I think you would have had to have shown interest, like scrolled a bit. Yeah. Gone in and engage with the content and yeah. then and then connected which is that's it. Is, it's always nice when there's uh enthusiasm and a sense of shared lived experience when when you when you connect with someone online because it can kind of be a bit weird uh, it can be a bit weird mm. it can be like you know like i really felt something in that message and yeah. it's, uh, oh, that, and it's not always uh and it's like a sense of your character and enthusiasm yeah. and 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 shared experience but also it's like Sometimes it can be a bit of a one dimensional experience in that space, right? Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah. I just feel like people aren't really themselves on socials, and they don't, you know, people always feel like they've got something to lose by just being themselves. Like, I mean, I didn't even know you, but I'm like, here's my attitude. I'm just gonna like yeah. put it straight in the text message, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, I don't know. People just feel like, I just feel you see this on social media a lot. And I've been seeing it a lot recently as well. Just people not truly authentically, is that the right word? Authentically being themselves. And that drives me nuts because you see so much of it who just people just want that external gratification. And and this is a long conversation. But Mm. yeah, I think it's really important in every aspect, every approach, every text message, every conversation to always just remain yourself. You know what I mean? So yeah, that was Mm. me being myself. Yeah. And with sass.
0: And, and, and is that, um, would you say that's sort of like a, a broad sort of horizon level approach to how you've built your mm-hmm. following and connection in general? Yeah, yeah, I'd like to think so.
1: Yeah, I think when you keep it real, and that's one of the things, I remember I saw Sam Smith do an interview years ago when he first came out mm. and he had spoken, someone said, you know, why did it take a little bit longer for you to get where you are or something like that. Right. And then he spoke about, um, he said I was just constantly doing stuff that wasn't really me and I was trying mm. to be something that I'm not mm. And as soon as I started finding songs and music and styles that I liked and started being more myself For example, the first song Latch with Disclosure mm. That was when that beginning kind of stuff, that, that opening, open of doors started to happen for him So right. I've always kept that in the back of my mind always come back in my mind. Even just a couple other artists that have said stuff where you see interviews and you're like, oh, okay, cool. You mm-hmm. know, because they're example of success. They're examples of hard work and testament to that. So you want to keep that on board, mm-hmm. you know, with everything that you're doing. And I'm trying to, you know, make sure that I maintain my life in that in that perspective. Right. right. So deep. <laughs> so great. deep. We
0: love it. We love it. That's why we're here. <laughs> and, and so you mentioned, uh, it wasn't Sydney, it was Perth where mm. you grew up. So tell me a bit about your growing up, and and when Siki, as a child, became a musician.
1: Um, when I was, we moved from. So I, love that,
0: I love that you sing on that tone. <laughs> I think my mum does that as well, and I, 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 I saying? Well. Yeah, my mom is a singing. Uh, singing does that mean you can Singing sing? teacher. It it's it's funny. I had to go off and be a drummer. Like I had this i had this opportunity to gain musical to grow up with musical literacy Mm -hmm. but because i was just immersed in it i kind of I got a bit through osmosis. Yeah. Like I would, <laughs> Mum told me the other day, like as a, as a toddler, she would wheel me into church. And the first person that would, would, would sort of scorn a face at her when she made a mistake was always me. Yes. <laughs> so, that's, that's really funny. Judgy, <laughs> judgy yes. to her singing. Yeah. That's so funny. She's like, yeah. mom, where'd you get it? Like, <laughs> um, so I, I did, I, I did, I was around a lot of it. Um, some of Mum's siblings, are. Uh, yeah mum's lifelong career is music, musician music teacher performer mm-hmm. um and uh one of her siblings was was quite known for that um mm-hmm. uncle ivan uh, around sri lanka as well mm-hmm. um but in terms of the melodic path she tried a few times with me to do singing lessons and piano and i just didn't follow it very long i it sort of did did a little bit but i think i just had too much of this sort of explosive percussive energy right. and it took me initially in a, a dance direction and then later in a drum, ah, you did drumming, dance? drumming direction initially ah. yeah. yeah
1: well did i help with the drumming part cuz it's all about
0: rhythm uh, i i th- i think so that the dance is like a slightly sad story that i'm reconnecting with now because i went into um, ballet and i was the the uh definitely the only boy perhaps the only br- brown. brown boy mm. and then then all these uh white girls yeah and uh what was that uh, like uh that it's it's interesting to try and remember the distinction between my own memory of it and then the sort of couple of vhs tapes that have emerged but uh VHS. i i think <laughs> uh it was one of those things that's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm. maybe I'm the only person that looks like me here, but, but that's okay. And mm. um, I think I was so young that I hadn't been hit with gender norms yet. Mm. And that came crashing down in uh, kindergarten, like our first year of school, uh, when the, the teacher innocently asked everyone to stand up who did certain activities. They're like, who plays cricket or who plays basketball and then those people stand up and it's a bit of a yay and then like who does dancing and then i stand up with all the girls and then yeah. there's pointing and laughing and then boom that's the end of my no of my that's dance. horrible yeah it was it's it's, it's, it's yes yeah, so there's a few like kind of creative missed opportunities like i could have grown up with melodic literacy and i could have grown up with like like amazing ballet skills and dance would you do it now though I have not necessarily gone back into ballet, but I am very much getting back into dance uh, in a few different, like some beginner choreography classes here and there. Mm-hmm. Like dance has been a big part of my world as a music lover and live music nut. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've come at it as a um, non in a non choreography space. Like sometimes I've gone to uh, ecstatic dance, five rhythms, those sorts of spaces, and just moved and and my improvising background as a musician has sort of flowed into that movement space right um but yeah i'm just sort of getting my feet in dance again and it's it's very pleasing yeah is it feel good to do it now though it it, it does yeah i yeah. guess everything all in the right time like all the good things in the right time wow. so how fascinating um, isn't it yeah
1: the things that shape us as kids yes and things that Kind of those monumental moments that redirect mm. our lives mm. at such a young age. I see this so much with clients that come in for the music school side of it, for the music group, mm-hmm. people who are singing, and they are just um so scarred and traumatized by so many things that have happened mm. to them as a kid. Mm. You know, or I couldn't sing, you know, my my sister said this to me when I was five years old, or my My auntie said this to me when I was 15 and I haven't sung since then and I'm now 45.
0: People being shut down. Yeah,
1: because people don't know how to deal with their traumas. People Mm. don't take the time out because they're just living life day in and day out, day in and day out. And this is the thing with COVID. Mm. When COVID happened, it made people take the time out to sit and reflect. There was no choice. Mm. You know what I mean? And if you chose not to... That created a sense of depression that created, you know, there was a lot of suicide rate. The suicide rate went up. Right. So there's a lot of that stuff that happens. So I think if we don't take time out to specifically look at our trauma, specifically look at things that have shaped us in our lives, that have readjusted our pattern and thought, mm. then, you know, it, it's, it's something that kind of gets us in the long run. You know, mm-hmm. and then you spend your whole life wondering what if or, you know, why or shoulda woulda coulda. Definitely. You know, definitely I feel we digressed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but we hold that. Yeah, this this whole little side journey came came from me <laughs> being quite amused that you were toning, that you were toning on an on an um but yeah we were, we were going um, back into your your that's music right i feel safety. like i started interviewing you that's <laughs> <laughs> great it's okay.
1: music for me so where, where where did i start so my background's pakistani hmm. and i grew up in dubai and i grew up in perth and then we i was there
0: until i was seven. have 17. i told you i was born in dubai no i'm gonna feel how random i haven't
1: been to dubai since 97 okay right. have you been back
0: uh I was only there For a couple of weeks When I was born I was just like Popped out And then Yep Off to the family To go Show off the baby Yeah Um, I've been back once On that sort of Camcorder trip In uh, 2003 Something like that How was it? Uh, It was wild It was this weird Playground Mm. Um, It's a strange place (laughs) Yeah I just remember Like There was a part of it That was for me That was summed up In the sort of like Looking at a road Looking at a patch Of uh, Desert sand uh in a block here mm. and then the next block is Skyscraper and it, it's just kind of like zero to one thousand mm. um, and that was at a time where these projects that now semi exist mm-hmm. were all being hyped and um, and sort of pitched almost like imagine this the world's biggest building and the world's <laughs> biggest you know reclaimed islands and I think I think the the is it called the Burj Al Jamira. Mm-hmm. Um the how do you describe that sort of penguin shaped hotel Mm. i think that was in existence there's a few other iconic things like that but there was very much this time of like we can do anything here and it was an interesting time to (laughs) be with that voice yeah 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 very much of this like american kind of investment i I don't know where investment investment yeah yeah no no, i got you yeah (laughs) yeah.
1: well it's um it's an interesting place it was an interesting place to grow up Mm. for 10 uh, seven eight years sorry and it was definitely not what it is now. Mm-hmm. And uh, then from there we came to Perth. And then I lived in Perth until I was 17. Mm-hmm. And then at 17, I moved to Melbourne. And then I was between Melbourne and Sydney for my all, most of my 20s. Right. And then uh, I moved to Europe. And then I was in between Europe and Sydney for the rest of my 20s. Mm. And then when I turned 30, um, I moved to Asia. I was living in Asia, um, in Bali, and then also Vietnam, and then I went back to Europe Whoa. and then COVID happened. So my life has <laughs> oh been... Oh my God, did anyone keep up with that? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> my life has been this whirlwind of travel and exposure and um, just like this brilliant kind of adventure. And I wow. feel so grateful and so lucky to have had the opportunities to have done that. What are notes are you taking? I'm just like
0: trying to keep up with some of those places. <laughs> do, you want like me to go, this do you want me to repeat it? No, no, it's fine. It's
1: fine. It's fine. I'll, I'll,
0: I'll catch, catch them and come back to them
1: if I... So it's been a very mm. like interesting journey. Mm. And I've been very, very lucky with everything that I've done. Mm. And I'm just really really grateful for that because within that I've been able to find so many different ways to understand music and be able to find direction there and now being able to do what it is that I do with music and guiding others who are younger than me and mm. doing the activist side of stuff like it's been amazing because that traveling has given me so much education and mm. also just being a brown kid of privilege has also given me a lot of opportunities you know which a lot of brown people don't get mm. you know mm. so I, I'm I'm
0: very lucky like that right right and and then so i'm I'm always interested in the the colors in people's voice and mm. um, there's this strange phenomenon in Australian music, Australian pop music, hip hop where we are so immersed in North American culture that we end up um, Actually, there was an example, perhaps, of of me doing it myself when I was sort of talking in a voice about Dubai. I flicked to an American accent, and I, you know, definitely as a kid, uh, being drowned in Hollywood movies, there was there was, you know, even in Western Sydney, there was that tendency. But your your kind of world accent um, <laughs> has, like, I think. It it sounds like it's cemented from that Dubai period and uh, international school. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. Thank right. you for recognizing right. that yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. But
1: yeah, it is. Um, it's from that, but it's also readjusted itself over the years. Because hmm. when I was living in Perth, like it was kind of confused Australian. Then right. it was.
0: Do you remember the term A B C D? Can you remind me? Um, Australian born confused desi. Whoa! Have you ever okay, heard that? I I think once, yeah, once or twice, but I yeah did not. Okay, okay. Cause
1: <laughs> it's so funny because I don't know now if it's racist to our own self, right, but I remember we right. used to, it used to come up um, a lot when I was younger because, and it was mainly from parents and like parents making fun of their own kids.
0: Right, right.
1: <laughs> so much trauma. Um, but yeah It's uh, And to do
0: with accent and language a lot Is that
1: Yeah my, my parents used to make fun of me When I was uh, A kid trying to speak Urdu mm. And so for the longest time And the thing is I don't blame them They were, mm. they were kids raising kids yes. That's also the other thing And right. you have to recognize that Yeah, yeah. So for me um, I didn't speak a lot of Urdu mm. When I was younger It mm. was when Funny story When I moved to Barcelona mm. um, Barcelona <laughs> When I was living there okay. That I Got to speak Urdu again Because there's a massive Pakistani community There you go Which is really crazy did you know that no
0: i did not it's crazy
1: yeah it's yeah. crazy you'd walk to like the left and then the, you walk to the right and there's like a pakistani person seeing um not seeing uh selling uh, kebabs right, and then you can right. go to the other part and there's like a whole section of pakistani yeah pakistani immigrants who speak spanish than catalans which right. is amazing yeah i yeah. never thought anything like that existed or when you go to mauritius and you see women in sari speaking french or creole which is their mm-hmm. French. like it's it's nuts when you think right. about that right, right. my right. mom was so taken back by that because she's she speaks french her french was her first language so when we moved, when we went to mauritius she was like i don't understand what they're saying but it's really like it's like this there's a specific word for i can't remember it but it's um so it just, it's whack seeing a woman in a sari speaking French. Like you just don't expect it. And yeah. it's amazing, but yeah. amazing. But it's not part of your psyche and your mind
0: to register right. that. And like South Asian brown. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. it. It's okay. crazy. Right. Yeah. That idea of the ABCD and the growing mm. up with language. And see, my heritage is uh, something called Burger. Have you yeah. heard of that? Yeah. yeah. Sri so, Lankan Portuguese. Yeah. 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 Uh, Portuguese, uh, Dutch, Portuguese, British. Yeah. yeah we we were sort of like such a... Um, I mean, we're just, it, it's, it's, a, it's a big mix. And and so, characteristically, I mean, some of us are known for our lighter skin tones mm-hmm. and some of us got in uh, due to our, our colonial names. We got in during the white Australia policy. Mm. Have you heard this story? Mm-hmm. Right. And then like, so, so we, we could have colonial names, but not the white appearance and yeah. so it was a, a challenge for the administration to codify their racism, mm. because they they were like, oh, that they they just need to prove, uh, you know, colonial heritage. It's like, well, they've got colonial heritage, it's yeah. like, Oh, but they're brown, like you know. Like, yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but our first first language was was English spoken in my parents' homes in Sri Lanka. Yeah. And Singhala was sort of off to the side, and Tamil was was. Was greatly, greatly unknown uh, So I grew up with with no language And, and uh, we were lucky to do trips back to Sri Lanka Every three or four years mm. um, But we would only learn just like Very minimal little phrases here and there And, and kind of I guess we got savvy with Sri Lankan English Yeah um, But uh, when I moved When I did my motherland voyage My overland uh, and sea trip Back to Sri Lanka to live there for a few years mm-hmm. I started from scratch And I had that sort of really intimidating thing of like trying to learn it out on the street and uh somewhere on these shelves is a trilingual uh trilingual resource dictionary from the uh the caucasian british linguist who i found was the best teacher uh that i could possibly find for uh learning uh, tamil and english because he understood coming from an english as a native language um, direction whereas because um, um, I'm not sure how it is for uh, languages that you have gr- grown up with but the there is a big striking difference between the formal and the mm. informal on the street language mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the singular resources in particular went to, like dive straight into the formal and like learning all the all the characters and um, it was yeah it was a pro- initially a process of trauma and then uh, kind of like a healing space of these classes that that he provided to her. Yeah. Um yeah, I got got a taste of that. But the languages that you grew up with what was it Urdu and others or
1: It was Urdu, Arabic, French, Turkish, and English. Cuz mom speaks French wow. and Turkish okay. yeah. fluently and now she speaks Bahasa cuz uh she lives in Bali. My 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 brothers and my parents live between Bali and Melbourne. Right. Um, and then French because that was her first language. Right. And then Urdu and Punjabi because it's from Pakistan. Wow. And then I think that's it.
0: Yeah, that's quite a few anyway. Wow. Yeah. Quite and and then so how did how did that reflect on your language skills?
1: It didn't go anywhere. English was the only <laughs> English was the only thing that we really did, which is okay. really it's funny because my brothers and I we all lived in French speaking countries at different times, right? right? and i i lived in france probably the longest out of oh no actually my middle brother lived in switzerland for a while and they speak french there too okay so he would have picked up stuff my other brother lived in la rochelle in france mm. he would have picked up stuff right. we all would have we all picked up things mm. but my mom should have bless her instilled the French part into us because I would have and now I'm getting into it now at 35 okay but like I would have loved to be able to speak French you know and I would love to be able to sing in French as well right I was gonna say yeah Yeah, because I love the I love French music I love French Arabic music Mm. so and having grown up with that stuff as well it's something that's instilled in you and your influence and music and all that kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. I would have loved to be able to do that but it didn't happen but English was the main language up until Probably when I was 22 And then I started trying to speak I, she, They always spoke Urdu in and in, in Punjabi to us mm. Whenever they needed to Particularly Urdu Not that much Punjabi mm. But I um, only started speaking Urdu When I was 22 and I moved to London mm-hmm. And I was starting to pick it up And then I'd seen in Barcelona That they were speaking there mm. And I started getting the confidence So but it was taken away a long time ago when I was a kid because they would make fun of it unknowingly. Mm. You'd, they'd be like, "Oh, that's so cute." You say yeah. that's so cute, but it's not right, right? You know. Right. And then it
0: stays with you as a and kid. And we're the ones that haven't given you enough exposure, exactly. To to, yeah,
1: exactly. And mm. so I picked it up, and then when they made fun of it, I told them to fuck off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> can I swear on yeah, this? Yeah, yeah,
1: okay, <laughs> I literally I was like, well, fuck off," because I'm trying. Yeah. And so, in my mom, actually, funny enough, she tried to. Make fun of it just the uh, just maybe like two months ago, mm. and obviously now my mom is more my friend than mm. she is a mom. Mm. And we're pretty tight, right. so I said to her, I was like, "Mom, that's not that's not cute." I said, "You can't do that," and she right. goes, "What?" And I said, "You can't make fun." But when I'm speaking Urdu, because it's not the way that your standards are, I've still got to make it right for me. Right, And it's okay. You're used to kind of doing this. And she goes, oh, okay. And mm. she got it, you know, right. because I think we're now at a place and a space in time and a headspace where we can call out things like that, that they've been conditioned to do mm. for such a long time. Right. You know, as a kid, you can't really say it. Right. You know, so here we are.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah, it's the, these relationships progress and mm. that you know, the, the, the the children the 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 next generation of migrants like you know we have something to offer to sort of yeah improve like sort of mutually improve that that relationship that's it um because it's a it's a big deal to migrate away from the subcontinent towards greener pastures and Mm. all of this and also to end up being an artist which is not often Mm. the direction that well you know how it is pushed in yeah Yeah. exactly yeah yeah is your family supportive uh, well, well mum was a professional musician her yes, whole life. Right. And um, and my, my dad also was not able to um, go in the career direction that, that he wanted to. Mm. So apart from some gentle pressure towards going to a selective school and then making sure I went to uni um, and then not being too overly upset when I took a year off in my final year and never went back. Um, but yeah, they, they, they generally have... Uh, you know, been in, in, encouraging, which, which, yeah, you mentioned before, the privilege. Like that, that is a, I, I'm aware that that's an unusual, mm. un, it's not the classic brown parent trait, which I'm I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've, yeah, same, same. I'm actually very, very grateful that we got to grow up in privilege, being from where we're from. Mm. There's, I always try and do the statistics like that this has probably changed, but there's 95% of poverty in Pakistan, I would say, from mm. my understanding. Mm. And, five percent of it is wealth right and i was very very lucky is that correct yeah 95 yeah and i was very lucky to grow up in the wealth side of it yeah and be able to see what's happening beyond the walls Mm. and within the walls you Mm. know having servants and drivers and cars and having all that kind of lifestyle but that's why it's important and this is the values that were instilled in myself and i think my brothers as well Mm. that you have to be able to give back When you are in a position to... You have to make a difference Mm. because you've seen both sides. Right. And you've been part... You've seen both sides, but you've been part of the the safer side do you know what mm. i mean yeah. so it's really important as a brown person as a brown gay person mm. as a brown gay australian south asian
0: yeah. individual yeah to be able to make that difference and right. i don't
1: think people do that enough
0: right right you know can you tell me you there's 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 several sort of hyphenated <laughs> uh sort of additions to your identity can you tell mm. me about those intersections of identity and how that plays yeah. out for you
1: um the brown it's it's funny you know like I've always looked at it this way, that because I'm from the East Mm. and I'm also from the West, but Mm. I'm educated in the West, Mm. it's important for me to find stable ground to be able to assist others. Mm. I guess if we look at it from the gay perspective, there's not that many individuals who are from Pakistan or India or Sri Lanka, like any of those sides, or even Arabic countries um, who are out loud and proud. Mm. And when I say out loud and proud it doesn't mean they have to be parading in Mardi Gras. Just right. comfortably themselves, right?
0: Right, right. Which and, is which is a, a big deal for many, many migrants. It's yeah. it's not it's 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 a very different process to a lot of other people. That's
1: yeah. it. And yeah. I think culture and religion take a big step forward. Sorry, to have a big um, thing to do with it and they're normally at the forefront is yeah. what I was trying to say. Right. And with that, a lot of kids feel as though they don't have a safe place to really be themselves. Mm. And I remember growing up, there was never, there was there was no one that looked like myself and like four, four others who were my friends, who are still my friends today, like 15, 16 years later. Right. And they're black, right? So they're not even, they're, they're not brown kids from Arabic countries or from Muslim backgrounds, whatever, they right. black, African, Australian. So they're, they're, not to say their journeys have been, you know, worse or better, but their journeys have been a bit different because yeah. the religion, li- religion part doesn't play a massive part in it. Right. My, my particular friends, for example. Yeah. So for the guys who are from my culture, or from that side, didn't really have much to say or didn't have a chance to really be themselves. So I never got to meet many people growing up who were like me or mm-hmm. who were, you know, comfortably happy to just be out loud. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely been a journey. And I think for me now, With everything that I'm doing, it's really important to be able to be a safe place for people like that Mm. and to also be an example that Mm. you don't have to, again, no offense to anybody, but you don't have to be gay and parade in a Mardi Gras parade. You don't Mm -hmm. have to be gay and, you know, do the norms of what white society has Shown you mm. is is what being gay is about You can really be yourself You can have your culture You can have your travels You can you can create your own journey Your own path mm. But the problem is We haven't had many examples Right, right Particularly in this country mm. Maybe overseas there has been Some more examples But yeah. there's not been that many people Who look like you and I mm. In this country Who are, you know Proudly wearing that on their sleeve But mm-hmm. not making gay their full identity Right, right So that has definitely been at the back of my mind with everything that i do mm-hmm. so that's been a very interesting thing does that kind of make sense absolutely yeah 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 definitely
0: i can really see and also with the aspects of the culture where it's not always culturally comfortable to be out mm. um perhaps what you're referring to there was uh, a person like yourself kind of becomes a bit of a node does mm-hmm. this is is feel something like yeah, that? Yeah. yeah
1: yeah Right, it's right. definitely it's definitely shaped me. I will say, hmm. my mom used to always say, "Being gay is part of your identity. It's not it's not your actual identity." Right. You know, and I think people get lost within that. Like everything becomes like, let's go to circuit parties and hmm. let's plan. Uh, you know, our gym sessions because we want to look a certain way for you know a parade that's coming up or a party that's coming up and that's a very yeah. common thing in in gay culture right and it's also a very common thing with caucasian gay culture right and okay. you know what i mean yeah. so it's yeah. there's no examples of people who are as far as i know again mm-hmm. that i that i've come across mm-hmm. um, of sri lankan pakistani um even You know, Arabic gay guys who are creating paths for themselves, Mm. who are doing their own thing. You Mm. know, this is one thing that I've kind of stayed away from is, particularly joining, being a singer who's part of the gay community. If that makes sense, the reason I've done that, I haven't, I've consciously stayed away from being a LGBT, Mm. you know, uh, singer, is because I don't want every everything that with my music to be associated with. Just that community. Yes. I want it to be very, very broad. Yeah, because I see a lot of the gay singers that I know, who mm-hmm. and I won't name names, but yeah. I see a lot of the gay singers that I know that they, the music and the clubs and the events and everything that do is specifically catered to the LGBT community. Right. Right. You know, and I think um, that I've kind of been very conscious of that with mm. everything that I do. So right. I just, I've just, I guess what I'm trying to say is that creating your own path is very important. Yeah. But still being. Able to accept and be part of a community that somewhat embraces you mm-hmm. is great, but mm-hmm. the fight is still very strong. Right? Does right. that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yes. I think so, and, and that makes me think of, um, I guess, a culture like ballroom, which uh, you know I wasn't so aware of, it, or, or at least by name, un- mm. until it gets featured by someone like Beyonce, right? Mm-hmm. So then uh, there's that kind of debate or uh, of like, is it celebration or appropriation? Mm-hmm. But then there's also this thing of, I think I saw a touring artist recently of like, oh, when this person's not collaborating with Beyonce, they're doing this, this, and this. Mm. And that, that was a a, a member of the, the queer, the queer community. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just like, how how do you, I, I know you, you said you're sort of uh, hesitant to, you know, go down too far. Like you don't want people to sort of like bunch, the pigeon b- b- you. pigeonhole you mm. into that into that box. But how does that, sit for you where, where you have a, a queer culture that's risen to certain notoriety where it's uh, celebrated and featured by someone who's not part of that community but then they're also serving to lift that up how, how, how does that balance mm. sit for you
1: i wish i had an answer right i don't yeah. at this point in time but what i do know is that I want to keep doing what it is that I'm doing in mm. hopes that the music transcends anything to do with sexuality. Yeah. Any, and I hope that people will come to my Instagram page or my music page on Spotify, Apple Music, or even a show right. and go, that guy's really good. He's yeah. a great singer. Yeah. He's a great artist. Yeah. Oh, and he's gay. You know what I mean? Not that you see me at every single gay event, every single gay charity event. Like it's just it becomes too gay, 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 gay. Do you know what, <laughs> what I mean? And I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in that. In Australia, that's a very common thing. Right. You know, there's a one singer who I adore. I think he's a lovely person. I will I will not I won't say his name. Yeah. And he is a brilliant. He's a brilliant writer. He's a brilliant singer. He's a brilliant artist. He looks really great. Everything about him is working. But everything he does where live performances are concern is at gay events okay right yeah. every yeah. Every song that he's released has been specifically gay it right. 's been a gay storyline it's been a gay, gay thing to, to do with it's everything's been gay, 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 <laughs> but the thing is he 's a lot more than that he's right. very talented and he could do so much more and people and people Looked at his talent and his stories and his songwriting abilities and took that and go that's a brilliant artist. Mm. Other than oh this is you know so and so and he just does gay music and gay gay stuff you Mm. know. Mm. And I feel like I'm probably gonna get ridiculed for this, but this is really truly how I feel. Yeah. Where this stuff is concerned, as a brown gay dude and an artist, yeah. My experience has been literally seeing that throughout my life over here, you know. And I don't. I want to make sure that I am. Very much creating my own path, right. and I want to make sure that that I can hope to be an example in that. Right. I am out loud and proud, yeah. But that is a part of me. It's mm-hmm. not who I am. Right. It's not, not the whole part of me.
0: Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, as you're saying that, I'm 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 just picturing like these layers of intersection that we talked about, mm. and it becomes such a slim slice of the multiple Venn diagrams, mm. and it's this kind of thing of like, do I just inhabit this little, this tiny slice, or do I want to sort of push out into all these circles? And I'm sort yeah. of hearing. Hearing the latter from you right? Yeah, 100% yeah. That's yeah.
1: exactly what I want to do And I right. feel like that's what I'm aiming to do at the moment And right. I, I, the book, sorry It's kind of happening right
0: now Right You know, which has been really exciting So, right, right. yeah And I feel like many of these things play out Because we're in little old cute Australia <laughs> And like there's <laughs> sort of We don't have a huge amount of scale mm. to things And I think that also plays out with Identity as well Before you asked me Like did I know That there was a Pakistani community In Barcelona In Barcelona Which mm. I, 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 didn't, I
1: Barcelona. did not Barcelona <laughs>
0: I did not at all But yeah. I, I am aware That there Like it seems like You know With the ex, ex, exception Of maybe like uh, Southeast suburban Melbourne or Some of the sort of Iconic areas That I'm aware of mm. To a degree Increasingly Harris Park Western Sydney mm-hmm. um, I I do not see the level of identity and confidence and knowing ourselves as a south asian community in australia that i do uh, in uh, suburban parts of london right and toronto i feel like th- to me some of th- having only just like breezed through london and and having never been to north america mm. um i say this from afar but uh with observing groups of South Asians that would come through Sri Lanka, perhaps on different programs. Yeah, certain there was a certain knowing of themselves that that folks had that brown Australians don't often have, and I think there might be two like that might be playing out in the in the queer community and the South Asian community in Australia. Do you do you feel like that that sort of sense of scale and knowing ourselves is a little bit lacking here? Hundred percent. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. Do you mean on every level?
0: uh i i think it it goes deep yeah uh for for me it's kind of like like if i think of like being a kid it's like okay yeah i'm not a white person but i'm not it's like i'm not black either and i you know um, my dad was telling me this story the other day of like coming home from school and and i was like i was all stressed and he's like oh what's going on he's like ah this kid he was He's calling me black. <laughs> and his dad's like, oh no. Okay. What's going on here? This I, was you as a kid. This is me as a kid to yeah. my dad. And then then I was all like really stressed and flustered. And he's like, oh. and dad's like, oh, here we go. Okay. Um, I was like, okay, um, so yeah, I mean, what's what what's the issue? He's like, but I'm not black. Yeah. I'm brown. And <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, we were kind of like you know categorizing or triaging the racism that's coming at us and like and also still trying to find find a space for ourselves so i think it's
1: how uh, did he handle that though how did your dad handle that
0: i think i think he felt a bit of relief when i sort of had that distinction i I think he he definitely retold the story with smiles Mm. um and uh yeah mum and dad i think have both raised us in in with a strong sense of social justice and speaking mm. truth to power, mm. and I think, and and certainly like in 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 Dad's career more so because it was uh, in accounting and um, with the Catholic Church and sort of in a corporate environment, I would I would grow up with many of his struggles mm. um, that were were very racialized. Um, mm. I think Mum probably experienced it in in different ways, but like without that corporate structure. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I, I definitely grew up with that sense and, and i can reflect upon that and it it makes me think of now having gone <laughs> gone back to where i came from <laughs> sri lanka to, to live there for for a few years and get us get a sense of it being over there yeah and not finding not necessarily finding my place there either and, and then just sort of getting comfortable in this diaspora space that i'm never going to make either side happy people are going to make fun of my singular mm. over there people are going to make fun of me not being australia not being in this sort of white dominant white centric yeah. society over yeah. here i just need to find my own my own space an identity and, and space
1: grew up thinking i was white didn't know i'm right heritage culture out of sight brown family on the street you know, since Black Lives Matter happened in 2020, so many yeah. shifts internally happened mm. and so many shifts externally happened in this country particularly, right? Yeah. And I think for me, I've started like stepping up to what that means to me and mm. what that looks like and what it means to be authentically true to myself in conversation, yeah. in everything that I do, right? Mm. And having those conversations with my mom and my brothers has been really, really pivotal. Right. And what I learned in that is that my brothers have been whitewashed and very conditioned right. to be a certain way, right. you know. And like I love my brothers and I'm very close with them, yeah. but they, their sense of I guess, identity got lost somewhere mm. in the in the middle mm. um, when mm. moving from Dubai to Australia, uh, sorry, Dubai to Pakistan and Pakistan to Australia and right. going back and forth, back and forth. Right. They kind of got lost in, you know, I feel like they did. They're probably gonna slap me for this, but I feel like they got a little bit lost in who, what what am I South Asian? Am I white? Am yes. I brown? Yes. Am I black? Am yeah. I yeah. like where do I where do I sit? Yeah. And probably now I can talk to them about it and right. we can have conversations. Yeah. But the way that I speak to them about it is from a place that they're not really exposed to. So they don't know, I've had to tell my brother five times, my middle brother, what BIPOC means.
0: Right, yeah. Five
1: times in the same group chat between the three of us. Wow. And every time he goes silent after I tell him what it is, because he doesn't understand it. Right. You know, even talking about gender, um, the new gender, uh, what's the word gender, um, what are the, the names? Like term, like, uh, Terminology. Uh, um,
0: pronouns. Pronouns, term. like that's they, it, yeah. yeah. So
1: even talking about pronouns and things, he doesn't understand that. And yeah. I remember even speaking to him about when Black Lives Matter had come out on Netflix had done a black section mm. on, in Australia and in America. Mm. And he's like, why do they need to put a black section um, on Netflix? And mm. I was like, well, cause black, there's African American and mm. then there's also African, right? Mm. And black is a culture from, a, uh, from America and you have black culture and mm. there's black movies there. So they've mm. created a section to celebrate black, black history month. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I don't understand why it needs to be through color. So they're they're, and it's not about the color, it's about Mm. the culture. Mm. So their understanding and exposure has been very, very different to mine. They've been a bit sheltered. Right. And they've also had, you know, white friends. Yeah. They've had some Asian friends, some brown friends, but they've all also been conditioned. Yeah. So when you step out of those norms and you step into all sorts of cultures, all sorts of creeds of life with different people and and different levels, yeah. You then start to question that. You start to have conversations around it. Yeah. Yeah. And so for them, I don't think they've really. Dabbled into it. Right. So I come in to have those conversations with them as much as I can. And we constantly have very awesome debates, mm. but it still doesn't really get through. Yeah, you know yeah. so, the conditioning in my family over the years has definitely been whitewashed. And my mom recognizes it now. Mm. She goes, I need to keep my hair straight. Mm. I said, why? Because uh. her hair is curly. Like my hair is naturally curly when I don't have dreads. Okay, It's like an afro. Right, And she's like, I can't have my hair curly. Because she comes from the system of British colonization because of her mom. Her mom is from that system too. So everything has to be very much white. Yes. But in our culture, we have a lot of people who have curly hair, but they straighten the hair. Right. The women. Right. And they use fair and lovely because mm. having fair skin. Remember this this <laughs> yes. cream, fair and lovely?
0: <laughs> having fair skin oh is skin whitening cream. Yeah. Is you're yeah.
1: basically bleaching, bleaching your skin. Yeah. You know? So their train of thought is very, very, very different. Mm. But I'm very grateful that I've been able to step away from it and mm. have been amongst creatives and music industry people who fight. For their rights For their voices To be heard And within that Their voices are being heard Then you get exposed To a whole bunch Of other kind of I guess, train of thoughts, mm, you know, mm. and people who are activists and entrepreneurs. And yeah. it's just very colorful, mm. you know, whilst when you're in a specific society that the people just mirror you, yeah. you don't have that access. Right, right. So it's definitely been a very interesting journey where that is concerned, but mm. it's also the term whitewashed and conditioning has come up quite a lot in the last yeah. three years. Yeah. 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 So and,
0: and I feel like we're, 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 we're really shaking off these... Um, Post-colonial mm. institution, Institutionalized Racism Ideas uh, and, and if I If I tune into What your brothers Might have been going What yourself And your brothers May have been going through mm. uh, Bouncing through All these countries Is Oh what works for me In all these countries Oh you mentioned whitewash uh, To me it sounds like This, this idea of like Performing whiteness mm. If I Mm. Oh, How am I going to impress people and 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 what works in all these different spaces? Oh, oh, you know, white culture, white white whiteness reigns supreme yeah. in all these different countries because it's it's like this free pass anywhere in the world, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so that's true. that's interesting that they could have learned that through um through that experience, and mm. I think you know I I speak as someone who has done that a bunch mm-hmm. in the past, and you know to this day, like I, I can catch myself. Uh, stepping into things that could be, that that do, if I if I reflect upon it, that do feel like performing whiteness, and I think it was that, that process of going back to Sri Lanka, spending time with majority brown people yeah. for years, yeah, uh, artists, creatives, uh, various folks, and then coming back, and I I think that's where I really like got in touch with and started using the term South Asian <laughs> everywhere mm. and brown people like you know I came back with much more of that language and identity and I feel like I see it in 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 my cousins and, and other brown folks out there as well mm. it's almost like that that line of, of white folks saying oh I don't see color yeah, like, but, thank God. but it is there <laughs> oh but there was something that I wanted to nitpick on before yeah, which me. was I, I hear this a bit that, that people refer to the protests that came out of the murder of George Floyd being When Black Lives Matter Mm -hmm. happened But Mm. my understanding is that It as a movement had been happening For for many years But it it sort of reached uh, Peak saturation at that point And and so um, I don't know about yourself But I definitely could not watch the footage and i've sat through some documentaries that try and use some of the clip in it they spring it on me i was like ah i don't (laughs) Mm. i don't want to see i can't watch that like because in the in the years leading up to that i had been down some some rabbit holes on of uh police gun violence against Mm african-american people and i i'd I'd, I'd seen enough Mm. yeah and like i i don't know what everyone else was seeing that it it took until that point to (laughs) to kind of have this this big movement but Mm -hmm. um yeah i I definitely remember seeing that clip and not not seeing the clip but 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 being a bit disconnected from that period of activity 'cause it's like ah i've i've been in my head like, you know this is for people who have experienced racism their whole lives it mm-hmm. it's it it can be hard sort of when everyone's suddenly talking about it yeah and, totally um Yeah, I I do see that there's been some improvements. The other day I was down in Sydney and I was at the vigil for um, Cassius Turvey, who was Mm. uh, allegedly murdered by someone who was screaming racist abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, A young boy just walking home from school. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it's hard to keep. Fathom that. Fathom that and and, 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 and sort of be on this um, kind of mouse wheel, rabbit wheel of Mm. of like, we're doing this again, we're doing this again, we're doing this again. It's constant isn't it? It's it, exhausting. It really it's is. It's actually so
1: freaking exhausting. Yeah. Even like seeing this stuff on social media like it's just never ending with these protests and with the things that like america is for example america it just keeps going back and forth back and forth between Mm. things that are just basic human rights Mm. right yes because church state is saying that they need to do a b and c or then you go to iran and it's women basic rights for them to just be normal human beings and have some sort of equality Mm. and then it's again men from religious perspectives who are creating their own yeah understandings of what it is that women can and cannot do just so they can have that power mm. or that hierarchy that that ex- exists in that in that world right mm. and then you go somewhere else so like it just everywhere around the world it's the same same thing and it's just yeah. it's such bullshit you know what i mean and it's so exhausting because it's just it's an ongoing fight right. and i don't know what it is but i feel like this is this is maybe just me but I feel irritated yeah. at the previous generation for the mess that they've created. Mm. Not only these sort of things, but you think of climate change. Like, was no one using common sense back then? <laughs> was no one thinking about the repercussions that would happen now? Like, it snowed mm. in Sydney two days ago. Right. Which is insane. Whoa, I it did not know It snowed in that. Sydney. What? <laughs> Where was it? In Marrickville or something? I saw in my in friend's story. what? Like, it's insane. And it's summer. Like, we're hitting summer in two weeks. Like, we're kind of already in summer, yeah. you know? It so was just,
0: very cold when I was down in Sydney a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. it's just
1: such bullshit. I just, it really drives me nuts. But within that frustration and anger, mm. you end up going, what's the point in creating another story, you know, putting another story saying, you know, prayers and what is it? Thoughts and prayers? Thoughts and prayers, yeah. Thoughts and prayers. Go check out this, go check that. For me, it's about consciously making a difference. Mm. What are you going to do to act upon these changes that no longer purpose us today? Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. for me, looking at this stuff, my irritation is there, but it's also more about like making sure that you can find a way to make a difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know? I
1: don't know where I went on with that.
0: Yeah, no. Did I bring that up? No, I, I, I like it. And I want to lean into this struggle hear a bit, um, mm. there's one part of your story that I think has been a bit of a theme for you and mm. uh, it it came up in this uh, clip here that I just want to listen to Oh <laughs> But you should never judge a book by its cover.
1: Good morning just, How are we? Hello. You are Siki. Siki. Siki Chaka Siki as you like to say. Chaka Siki Yes That's okay. Siki Daha. D-A-H. Siki Daha Yes. Aha. Daha Daha. Aha. Yeah Ma-ha. No, no, just, uh...
0: Uh-uh. Uh, give a footsie-wootsie-wootsie-wootsie-wootsie. Okay.
1: <laughs> you you <know that> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, your Australian idol, Sicky yeah. Oh,
0: don't listen to the talk. Let's see what All you've right. got to offer, man. Sure, thank you. <laughs> when I saw the break day wish that i could fly away
1: instead of kneeling in the sand catching teardrops In my hand.
0: Hey. Yeah. Yeah. And your Australian idol is. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Man, very good. And your fool is. (laughs) Mark Holden. Can you say it's good to meet you, by the way? Thank you
1: very much. It's nice to meet you guys too at Marshall Heinz. Beautiful. It's nice to meet you too. It's not that nice to meet us, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you call me Siki Maha. What do you want me to say? I got proof.
0: Siki proof nerds are bringing sexy nerds. Nerds.
1: I love that my song came out
0: afterwards. And it was like, make me want to slap you. Oh, right.
1: I love that that was the line. That's for my song, Anger Management.
0: That's excellent. That is so funny. What was it like for you to discover yeah, that-, that archive and listen back to it? I want to give a shout out to the lady who,
1: who had that for me. Her name is Pauline Emerson. She's in Sydney. She's a good friend. And she's been in my life for like, like 20 years almost. She's amazing. Yeah. And she has kept that for all those years and she's kept it on her youtube channel and i emailed her and i was like i whatsapped her and i was like can i have that clip because i think i want to post it it's been a long time since i brought that up and i think now's a good time to bring it up yeah and she sent it to me and i got such good like responses from it and there was Mm. so much love right it was a bit cringy to listen to that just the audio i'm like good like it's funny looking back at it now because all those situations were so normal back then yeah. Right. It was just normal. You know, things have happened since then, you know, the years to follow that were equally weird and random and which I can talk about another time. But it yeah. was that looking back at it now and seeing the rage that people have when they see that video. Yes. It kind of it's 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 a strange feeling. I don't quite get it. I, I mean, I understand it. I understand yeah. why people are angry, but I don't quite get how that whole thing transpired on tv and it was okay like is that the world that we were living in right right you know what i mean this
0: this reminds me of 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 my feeling in the in the 2020 protest time it's kind of like oh what now there's rage like what about all those years yeah what about all those years does it feel like that to you kind of like this was normal then like what do you mean you're upset now
1: i've never been asked that before Hmm. yeah i think as i've gotten older and i've understood things Yeah. yeah i do think that that yeah, there's, there's always people who have been doing things underground to, to um, lift people of color and things like that. So there's always been people who are trying to make it better,, yeah. but now it's come to the forefront, right. And now these situations that people who are doing it not for the better, yeah, um, you know, it's all coming out. But I will say, That experience was great The experience of being on the show Was great And I did get a lot of exposure From it From
0: that And that's what went to air We're seeing what went to air Yeah That's right Was there more that happened In that moment Um, It was basically along those lines
1: It was pretty much that Okay Yeah it was pretty much The producers told me Not to sing that song they said to sing a different song. They said to, they made me actually. They made me sing There's another song. There's a lot song. of
0: micromanaging in reality TV. So right?
1: much micromanaging. Yeah. Everything you see is not
0: accurate. Yes,
1: but that that was pretty. That was what happened. Okay. But I did sing another second song, and after they asked me to put through, they were like, "Can you sing another song for us?" And I did. But the the producer before that audition said, "Don't sing Nora Jones because it's not really like a screamy kind of song. You need to do something that's a little bit more big because yeah. people love to see people scream on yep. these shows. You yep. know." So I said no. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sing
0: what I want. Can can we do a quick roll call? Who's there on the panel? You walk into the room. You see. This is Carl
1: Sanderlands. There's Marsha Hines. There's Mark Holden and Dico.
0: And Dico. And, and
1: they're now back doing it next year, but just like Carl all Sandilands. of those. No, Carl Sanderlands, Amy Shark, Harry Connick Jr. and Megan Trainer, right. and then you've got Ricky Lee and some other guy um, doing the hosting. So it's just a full white panel yes people I,
0: I did hear a little bit yeah. of uproar about this. there's a lot of anger <laughs> yeah yeah okay and then so who so you walk into this room who are these people to you at the time
1: and on in 2007 yeah uh, just Marsha hines i only knew who she was right and i'd seen obviously them on tv so i knew kind of knew who they were yeah but i like Marsha hines i liked her a lot right. she was very very sweet and over the years she's been very kind when bumping into her here and there okay. and i'll tell you this when i saw her Maybe like 2015 or something, years later, Hmm. I went up to her and I said, Hey, I'm Siki. I don't know if you remember me. You know, uh, it was a long time ago that I saw you. I was an idol. And she looked at me and she goes, There's not that many people of color in the industry, so I'm not gonna forget who you are. And I do remember who you are. <laughs> wow. And it was so it was so like Isn't that telling? on point. And yeah. I was like, Yeah, that's true, actually. She goes, You don't you don't forget someone like that? What I? It was very, very kind. Yeah. Um, and haven't seen her
0: since then. But I follow her on Instagram. Why don't you follow me? <laughs> I'm going to check later. <laughs> this was the description that you posted with that. Could you just read through that for us?
1: Look at this. This is what I posted yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, on minus socials. that first word,
0: yeah. Oh, but <laughs> Verified Ziki's verified You want me to read the whole thing?
1: Yeah, yeah Okay I was 19 when I got to do Australian Idol Which opened a whole new world for me Thank you at Kyle and Jackie O And at Marsha Hines for your kindness on this day And throughout that time Kyle was very kind to me actually at that time Right It's a bit of a dick now Okay Yeah I was (laughs) I was 22 when I was picked apart by label exec Telling me they couldn't sign me Because I didn't fit any box you look black, but you're Pakistani. Are you Muslim? You sound black. How can we change your name? You can really sing, but we don't know what to do with you." At 24, I experienced my first hashtag Me too moment. Never spoken about this public- publicly. And yes, there are many gay predators and fucked up people in the music industry too. When I was told by one of the biggest managers at the time in Australia that his artist, the biggest pop artist in Australia, would be interested in my songs to sing for their next album slowly and naively realizing whilst in the hotel room yes i did go to the room i honestly did not think it was what it turned out to be to finally pitch my songs this wasn't the case quick thinking and strategic movements got me the fuck out of there before anything escalated further than it already had an experience like this messes with your head a bit and you grow stronger and you realize even more so how important self-worth and mindset is to keep moving on At 34, I found my sound and style as an artist and grounding as a person. It's taken a lot of white men in boardrooms, studios and positions of power telling me since I was 19 that I don't fit in a box. I'm proud that I don't because here I stand in front of you full of strength, resilience, courage and confidence ready to step it up. Hope you enjoy this little project we did and by me telling you a part of my story and listening to Sikander, which is my last album, it might just inspire you to never give up on yourself too and to create the best path for yourself and one that is truly yours. Cool. I did not think I'd be reading that today. Did it f- Are you crying? <laughs> Why aren't you crying?
0: I, I, I'm just, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just mad. I just, I just... I just Tell I, me about your I, anger. I, I see... I see in that clip a 19-year-old yeah. who is standing up to like I don't really know like Mark Holden, Dicko. I think there were people that just um, came onto that show as industry experts, and I guess we took them as such. Yeah. But I see a 19-year-old who's just like, what? It's my name. Say mm. it fucking properly. Mm. And I Politely. just Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, like that was your 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 energy. Like it's like, no, I, I don't care who you are, mm. just like pay me the respect of saying my name properly. Yeah. And I'm going to do the extra labor of managing your insensitivity. Mm. And then I'm going to give you this sensitive, beautiful vocal performance. Yeah. Thank you. That unlike, you know, the half dozen uh, performers that have come before me. So it's like this, this extra burden of work that we have to do Mm. and still be brilliant. Like we get, we walk in the door, we get smacked with a frying pan (laughs) and then it's like now sing. Yeah. And like, Yeah, oh my God,
1: I did not even think about it like that.
0: This is why I'm not crying like when I hear that. Like, I'm I'm just angry. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's so interesting. I've never thought of it like that,
0: you know? Yeah.
1: But this goes back to what we were saying before is that we as people of color need to be in positions of power or work towards it. So, from the inside, we can help others who have been gone through what you and I have, right? Mm. Mm. So this situation has happened for a reason that mm. now at 35, mm. I'm in a much different position because a situation like that or a journey like that has shaped me. Mm. So now I'm trying to make a difference for others who, have, who don't need to go through something like that. So mm. that they, they, they do know that they are safe. They do know there is a safe place, you mm. know, and there's guidance yep. from experience. So right. th- th- as much as it sucked, I'm also glad that it happened and I'm grateful for that moment. You know, but I get your anger. I understand it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, Mark Holden in that moment, like (laughs) we got we got we got Kyle Sandylands, who I guess maybe was known for more infamous behavior, maybe after Mm -hmm. then or later or increasingly so. Yeah. But yeah, you you were giving them a shout out as like you know sort of holding space and Mm -hmm. like Marsha Hines. Yeah. Oh, was Marsha Hines. Yeah. Um, And amidst all of that, there was a nice bit of sass of. There's three white men on the mm-hmm. panel. Three white men and, and a one, black woman. And one black woman. Yeah. And with a nice bit of sass, you you stand in front of this panel with four people and say, it's nice to meet you, Marsha Hines. Yeah. It's like amidst all of that, you yeah. kept your voice. Yeah. You did your performance and you still sort of told them how it is. And yeah. like...
1: I didn't even... You know, it's so amazing. Thank you for saying all this because right. I've never ever looked at it like this i've never thought about it like that so it's so that, interesting that you say and you put it in such in a
0: perspective because yeah why is that because it's 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 something that that you've been aware of and it's sat around on archives for a little while and you're fi- mm. you're finally like the feeling is like oh it's the time to tell this story mm. and i'm also going to r- reveal these really vulnerable parts of my journey as a musician mm. um but like how was it for you if, if, if not those things i'm really curious like like I this just is just what not this is what you just normally do. Or?
1: Yeah, this is how it's always been. Like yeah. at thirteen, I went to audition for standard music in Perth, and they told me they're not looking for any brown kids. They only want blonde and blue eyed kids. Right. So I was like, okay, cool. So I think you just get conditioned to these sort of things. And then years after, I went into boardrooms with people from you know again cannot name names but yeah. bigger labels in Australia and yeah. sat in boardrooms with them, telling me that. You know your culture, people from your culture are going to be the next best thing, next biggest thing in the music industry, but we need to change your name. Mm. You can't do this cause you can't do that. And I yeah. said in that in that blurb, on that post. Um they wanted to change my name, then they wanted to change my where I was from. I remember my mom and I sitting after Idol had happened in Perth. I was sitting with her at a record label, an independent record label in Perth, and the mm-hmm. woman said in front of me and my mom, we're gonna take your religion, because at the time I didn't know what my religion was. <sighs> like I was I'm Muslim from a Muslim background. <laughs> we're
0: gonna take we're gonna take your religion. But okay. wait for it, right? We're yeah. gonna
1: take your religion <laughs> and where you're from and put it into a box and this is, I kid you not word for word, and I have receipts because my mom will vouch for this. Whoa. We're going to put your religion and your, cult and your background into a box. And when we're ready to bring that box out, then we will address that. But for wow. now, we will just utilize that you're from, I think they would have said like you're American or African-American because I i guess I sort of look like that at some yeah. point. Yeah. So th- this has always been the case. So when that happened, it doesn't really, like the rage I see now, I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. But, I just never saw it like that until hearing you say stuff like that now or having, you know, um, the conversations that have come up since I posted that. Mm. So it's very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. So, yeah, I've just never looked at it like because it's It's been conditioned. My whole life, it's been like that here, Mm. you know. But in Europe, you go there, it's completely opposite. Mm. You go to America, it's completely opposite. People embrace you for who you are. That has changed to some degree here. But there's still there's still a lot more to do, mm. you know. They they're giving a lot of people who are from um, in black culture and black backgrounds, like yeah. people who are black, yeah. are getting a lot of opportunities. Mm. But there's still a lot of South Asian people who need opportunities. There's still a lot of Sri Lankan, Pakistani, Arabic. There's still less of um of of platforms for them. Mm. But I'm so happy to see that even that change is still occurring for, you know, um, my black friends and people who have African backgrounds because that's important. That is a movement in itself and that is vital, you know, but this change still needs to continue.
0: You were talking about the the like trying to like where do we put him like do we put him into the black box like what is your connection to black culture because if i look into my own heritage it's like yes it's south asian and brown but there's also like half dozen ha- half a dozen different cultures including yeah. um, uh, east african black culture that is in my family lines mm. and uh, not in myself but in my cousin it plays out in um in physical features as well like wh- yeah. what is that like for you
1: well, black women have shaped me for sure, 100%. They've shaped me in the sense of they've been my biggest inspiration since I was a kid. Mm. And so, you know, people from Oprah to Whitney Houston to yeah. Mariah to Diana Ross, Dionne Warwick, like every single black artist, women particularly, have been my biggest influence as an artist, as a mm. singer, as with my vocals, everything with that. Yeah, that I would say that's kind of been a big... Um, it's probably been the biggest... Direction and shape me in the sense of that I've been able to draw strength from their stories and draw um, influence and inspiration, and that's guided me to everything that I'm doing. Yeah, um, but everything else has been. You know, ju- I would say just mainly inspiration, but a lot of it, I, th- I think also because a lot of my friends are black. Hmm. My my two one of my two of my best friends are one's Kenyan Australian, the other yeah. one's Ghanaian Australian, yeah, and they're black, and so I have a lot of of you know black friends in my life, and so I didn't really grow up with a lot of Pakistanis or Indians or. Um, yeah, Sri Lankans Because okay. a lot of them Were not equally out Or equally proud Of where they were from so Right
0: So black queer culture Is the strong thing 100% for yeah. It's been a
1: massive influence Where that stuff is concerned And that's given me A lot of strength as well okay. So I owe my life to that right. But um, with music Definitely a big inspiration And the way that I look I guess in the years Like passing I guess the way that I've dressed Or having a buzz cut Or you know Looking the way that I did In the past I had more of a I guess, I don't know, it wouldn't be considered a black look or like a 90s kind of like, I don't know, 90s TLC meets. I I can't quite describe it, but I've definitely been influenced and inspired by Mm. that. And it's definitely been a positive thing. But as the years have gone by, You know, I've got dreads now as well, but I've got a beard, so I've got look like a mixture of someone that could be Arab, Brazilian, Egyptian, Pakistani, Sri Lankan. There's it could be from anywhere, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah, but it's um
0: and your 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 hair is already doing an Afro, like it's already going in that. It's not like you're going to cultivate this from scratch, right?
1: Yeah, my Afro, my when I have curls, it's literally in a curly Afro. Right, you know, my uncle. Who looks a bit like Barack Obama? He looks black, but he's Pakistani, and he was born in Norway, I think it was. Yeah. You know, and my mom has really curly hair, but she's always had it be straight. Right. You know, my middle brother has lots of curly Afro hair as well. So we've all got something in there that would be considered, I guess. Yeah. If you wanted to look at it from the perspective, it could be from black culture. Yeah. But you know, it's definitely still South Asian. Mm. Yeah.
0: So with great difficulty, I am going to shortly. Bring this episode to a close, (laughs) and we're definitely gonna have (laughs) to pick this up. Talk to. (laughs) (laughs) We're definitely gonna have to pick this up uh, again soon. But one other thing that I'm hearing in there is almost this tone of self blame for what was happening to you uh, Mm. at at 24. And when I hear that, particularly with the reference to the hotel room, Mm. there is now a fiction. I think there's a fictional film that is following the two reporters that honed in on the Harvey Weinstein Weinstein mm-hmm. case. And in in that instance, so like when you were 24, this was well before the current Me Too yeah. movements that we mm-hmm. know know of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but even at that stage, like in, in the Me Too movement and with interactions with, with Weinstein, we're talking about Hollywood actors, some rich, famous, powerful people that were also like willed into this, into this system right so mm-hmm. it's it's almost like if a famous white wealthy uh, actor in hollywood yeah is in this situation then a, a solo 24 year old brown mm. artist in australia <laughs> is also vulnerable to this system right mm-hmm. like it's like this whole
1: it's just a system Whole the system
0: yeah. is sort of pinned yeah. against us but that one is particularly harrowing but you sort of refer to all these challenges as kind of i don't know if you'd call them battle wounds per se but mm-hmm. like things that have shaped you mm-hmm. and you've taken this on your journey and yeah you're still going you're inspiring others you're teaching others yeah and uh i think that is really <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to drop the word inspire that's <laughs> a sort of a, a sort of endearing uh message i think that yeah. is. um is really nice for for me to hear Mm. and um it also makes me think of trying to work on my own voice again there's not too many people that would would spark that yeah thank you
1: that's so kind thanks you definitely opened my eyes i will say (laughs) to a lot of different perspectives okay great on how to look at certain things i will say on that note with the song And that story, there's actually, I've written a song called Not Your Australian Idol Mm. and it's coming out next year. All right. So, and I'm going to be doing a really interesting video with it that will reenact the things that happened with the show. And also that moment in the hotel room, I'll be reenacting that with actors. They'll be doing all that. Uh, So it's going to be, I want to kind of now tell this and be relieved from this story and just move on. Yeah. Because it's come back after like 18 years or seven, no, 16 years, I think it's been. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to kind of just say the story and then keep moving. Great. You know, but um, yes, thank you for saying all those things. That's very kind. And thank <laughs> you for having me. I've got
0: to go to the studio now. Excellent. Which is exciting. Well, thank you for sharing your story. And uh, now we will keep moving. Uh, Siki Daha, thank you for joining us on Creative Tales today. Thank you.
1: Say what's your name? Say what's your name? Couldn't say my name. Oh, what a shame. Uh-huh. sorry. What was your name again?
0: we hope you enjoyed this conversation i mean if you made it this far i'm just gonna assume that you did so feel free to share with a friend and subscribe to catch the next one